Oh, my cat's drinking out my water now. I gotta get new water. <laughs> hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. I think we are all set. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 260. We are live right here on Facebook and Twitch. I'm your host, KB. Joining me in just a couple of seconds because his cat just drank out of his water, so he had to go get some new water. Matt Castorina is on the voice line for those of you watching live, but before we get started... As always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot, Security 21, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Auto Mall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland, and of course, our kick-ass merch provider, DesignTree, DSGNTree.com, search Underground Sports Philadelphia, all of our Philly sports merch in our storefront, from the Bryce Harper t-shirts that have been an absolute hit, they are trending on DesignTree's uh, home webpage, so make sure you check that out. All of our Flyers gear as they tied their series up at 1-1 this afternoon, and we'll get into that as well. And all of our designs, dsgntree.com, search Underground Sports Philadelphia, use the promo code DSGN5, save yourself $5 off at checkout. And of course, the homies over at Tomahawk Shades, doing the damn thing the right way. Quality product, affordable price. You guys watching on Twitch and Facebook right now can see that I'm wearing my Blue Light Plus glasses like I do every single show, and you can get your hands on a pair of these. Regular sunglasses, they've got t-shirts, hats, the whole Kit Kat and Caboodle on their website, TomahawkShades.com, and they're hooking you guys up because they hooked us up in a massive way right before the pandemic hit too. So shout out to Tomahawk Shades for you know being on board with us for as long as they have now. Uh... Use the promo code USP at checkout. Saves you 25% off your entire order. $75 and over for your order as well. Qualifies for free shipping. TomahawkShades.com, promo code USP. Save yourself 25% off your entire order. Matt, hopefully you found a new water. But what's going on, man? I did. Uh, my cat, for whatever reason, I'm sure many pet owners can relate to this, just prefers drinking water out of my cup instead of his water bowl, which I check, I don't know, seven times a day to make sure it's always full, always clean. He just likes it straight from my cup, which is fine. I get it, but uh, I'm not, not really into sharing water with my cat. <laughs> uh, and now that you've got a new water, I'd say you're living the dream. Um, I am. Obviously, we have a lot to dive into uh, since you and I last recorded together, um, but the breaking news tonight is that the NBA will not go down tonight as the players are striking uh, in the wake of the shooting of Jacob Blake. Yeah, uh, and it all happened very quickly because uh-huh. the Magic didn't even know that the Bucks, which the Bucks makes tons of sense, right, because... Yes. 
Milwaukee-based team. Obviously, this happened in Wisconsin. Um, and there's Bucks players themselves that have had high-profile incidents with police. I remember Sterling Brown uh, had, a, had a huge issue where uh, the cops, he was parked. I don't even remember if he was... It's a traffic ticket incident. He was, he was parked at like a CVS or something. Mm-hmm. And these cops, like, uh, there's like seven or eight of them. And he ended up getting tased over. I mean, just an absolutely ludicrous situation to end up in. Um, you know, and I think there's there's a few other guys on that team as well that have had issues. Mike and, Budenholzer was the coach when uh, Thabo Cephalosha dealt with his incident and had broken bones. When he had, when he had his leg broken by the NYPD, yes. Um, yeah, it's so... The players themselves have, and I'm sure, I don't want to speak for them, but I'm, I'm sure have also had other instances in their life where they've probably been racially profiled or something to that effect. So for them, it's um, deeply personal, I feel. And I think everyone else now followed suit. And there was, even before the the bubble started, especially Kyrie was very vocal yes. about not really wanting to go back simply because he felt that there was a there's bigger issues at hand and i think that was that was generally the sentiment by a lot of players that um there was some hesitation to go back so quickly and that they felt like their voices could be used more effectively i'd argue that this is i I don't i don't know if this is fair to say but i would actually argue this is almost more effective than anything they could have done outside of that you know that we saw players marching with um you know, they're, they're citizens, they're the, you know, everyone else and then demanding justice and change. Um, you know, we've seen Tobias Harris, right. Donates a lot of money to, to local charities, right. You're really trying to invest in like Philadelphia's youth and making sure they can get properly educated and things like that. So the players in my mind, have have always done, you know, really vocal or even again, like, like some guys that donate and, and, and do things just really kind of hush almost, uh, to make sure that their communities, either where they currently play or where they grew up, are always taken care of. Um, so now, you know, having the chance to strike, and I think this is as vocal as you can get, I think, because this is a league stopping. Um, this is cash stopping. This is, uh, you know, games that were slated to happen tonight with big sponsors, right, not going on. This is how you, I think, really get effective attention. And whether that's right or not, that you have to stop cash flow to really get people's idea you know, that's that's another discussion. But I, I do think this is going to really spark a conversation. But as far as change in this country, it's hard to say. But I think this is, you know, I fully support it, obviously. But mm-hmm. it's, um, this is, it feels like a real seminal moment in, like, sports and cultural history where, yeah. you know, I mean, this year has been, I don't think we even need to say this year has been the craziest year of pretty much anyone's life, unless you are old enough to, like, have lived through the, the 60s. Um, it's very reminiscent of that decade with just lots of social upheaval and um, unrest. You and literally just have a brand new history book, and it'd all be 2020. Yeah, you could. And, yeah, there'll be lots of books written about just even the NBA players' reactions to this, because, you know, people have banged on so much about how you know, don't put politics in sports. Sport has always had politics yep. involved. Um, and race has always played a huge issue in sport and how uh, black people are always viewed negatively, right? But yet mm-hmm. we're also praised for their athletic ability. So there's this constant dichotomy of we'll root for you when you go to the Olympics and represent our country, but when you come home, you won't have the same rights. And it's the same, you know, when they went to fall in war. So, yeah, it's it's always been this issue that you know sports have always overlapped with politics. It's it's never it's never not been um, 
never not been the case, right? There's there's always been guys and, and women that have, have protested during uh, you know sports events and games and Olympics and national stages and whatever. You know, it's it's always been here. Um, it's just you know each decade is is a new topic or a new thing to to protest it out or, or stand for change. And you know, I think that's it's important that I, I think we we recognize that, that this isn't new this isn't mm-hmm. you know i mean even going back just a few years you had kaepernick taking the knee four NFL, years ago you know, today yeah which is <laughs> interesting right i mean it's you, you know, can't it doesn't even it. feel like four years to be honest I, that feels very long ago but four years ago today he was uh sitting during the national anthem yeah and you know i think it's just um Again, this is this this year is providing lots of almost where were you moments. Yep. And I, I think this is maybe not necessarily one of those, but this is gonna be you know, a big, big talking point and, and I think a big footnote in like the history of what hopefully is a positive change, you know, for the for the better of this country, right? Where we you know, we talk about twenty twenty and that this was a year where so many of these things were addressed and we move forward and start to work on them. We elect leaders that care about these issues and have, have compassion and enthusiasm to fix, you know, the, the, the root problems in this. Um, but it's hard to say, you know, it's, it's hard to say really the direction that this goes. Um, you can obviously hope for that kind of positive change, but, you know, I think it's without sounding too negative. It's hard. It's hard to, hard to imagine that just because this is, this is an evergreen problem with this country. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's tragic all the way around, but I, I really applaud the players for taking the stand that they did. I, I think that the rest of the players also, um, and, and again, this is player driven too. This yep. wasn't the, the, the league and the league, league deserves credit this. for this. Uh, the, the players forced this issue, right? Mm-hmm. They, they, they believed in this and, and they, they're the ones driving uh, this kind of strike in this movement. So um they deserve credit for that, and they deserve applause for that. I think it's a it's a brave thing to do because they know that, even though I think largely NBA fans will be receptive to this, the broader sports space, and I think again this is obviously going to be on your all your news stations. Those types of people won't react the same way, mm-hmm. right? But um, yeah, I think they deserve lots of lots of credit and uh, and for for doing this because it's not it's not easy to do. It really isn't. Yeah, and it wasn't just the NBA, too. We did get one MLB game also uh, with the Brewers and Reds both collectively agreeing not to play tonight, so also very commendable by them to step up. And oddly enough, one of the players that was speaking up about it was Josh Hader. Yeah, not a, not your, your expected, but that's that's good, right? It's, right. It's, it's good that it isn't. You know, I'll say this, and I don't want this to come across the wrong way. I'm not surprised when NBA players, because of just the racial makeup mm-hmm. of the league, when they speak about social justice. Because, again, we, we just named you know, two, three NBA players that have personally, while being NBA players, right. been accosted by police unfairly, right? So for them, these issues are always much more personal. Whereas baseball, you know, it's predominantly white, but there is there is definitely racial diversity within baseball. But, you know, it, baseball, I think it's culture and it's kind of makeup. And especially like the audience for it usually leans in a more conservative mm-hmm. uh, domain. So yeah, anytime you get baseball to, to kind of push in with this this idea, right? I think even you know having you know like the Black Lives Matter kind of uh, ideology and like logo like around and within baseball was a huge step. 
and yeah, I, you know, I, I wish all sports would just follow suit. You know, I, I wish it wasn't just the NBA uh, striking tonight. You know, I, I think it'd be amazing to see all sports stop yeah. and, and, and push for this. Cause you know, ultimately I, I think everyone is affected by this in some way. Um, and yeah, I think it'd be great, great unity to see all the leagues decide, you know what, we're going to, we're going to stand in solidarity with the NBA. And, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting for sure. That's, that's one case, but I, you know, especially with baseball, with how crammed the schedule is, they'll make up some excuse about money, mm-hmm. I'm sure, and uh, making sure the season gets finished. But, you know, I, again, I, I feel very positive about, uh, you know, these players' reactions to this, that they're, they're willing to, to, again, these are playoff games, too. You know? yep. It's not like these are, these aren't just throwaway games for them. I mean, these guys want to play, I'm sure, but they're also willing to put their money where their mouth is, so to speak. Right. And, and go out there and decide that there are bigger issues right now. And by uh, not playing that, that that's going to raise that awareness that, that they seek. And I hope it does. And I, I paused when I said, weirdly enough, that it was Josh Hader. That was one of the, the names being uh, at the forefront of this for the Brewers is because we all know his backstory. And if you don't just do a simple Google search of Josh Hader, um, so it was, I mean, and that's a good thing too that like he's kind of potentially uh, learned from his mistakes and understands you know what is actually going on. Um, so good on. And ultimately, ultimately, that's what we want, right? Right. You know, you know we we want people. We don't want people having necessarily the thoughts that he had before, but you know, like if they do, we want them to be educated, right? Like we, you can't necessarily just ostracize anyone who has those thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. But you, you need, and sometimes I think people mature differently, right? You don't know what kind of circumstances they grew up with, what type of ideology they were exposed with as, as kids, right? And I mean, these things, these things are deep rooted, you know, it's, it's a very complex issue, right? It's hard to even, you know, I feel like we're not doing it the justice it necessarily deserves, but you know, the fact that, yeah, if he can come around and, and have a more positive idea and be re-educated, right, and, and inf- more informed and less ignorant about an issue, then that's ultimately good. You know, I think yep. that's what we should always be striving for is not necessarily mudslinging, but again, the all right, well, here's, where you, here's why you're wrong. Here's how you can change. And, you know, hopefully this is a sign that he's, he's someone that that's worked on. But, yeah, it's... um. Again, I, I wish I wish every sport was was uh, was taken taken one out tonight, honestly. But and, I mean, we had Kenny a, a Smith walk off the the set of you know an institution of the NBA with NBA on TNT, like that never happens in any sort of television where somebody just kind of walks off. So I mean, it's it's been a big uh, you know development and a, a positive thing in my opinion uh, over the last three hours it's all like we said it's happened all so quickly that like trying to like keep up with everything has just gone so rapidly yeah i mean we literally just finished the flyers game i saw like a a a tweet about the the bucks about the magic not even knowing that the bucks uh were planning on on striking and being a little confused and caught off guard and then slowly became you know that the entire league wasn't going to be playing tonight and um yeah it's happened very quickly and we don't no clue as of right now. Obviously, it's what seven sixteen um, on Wednesday night, so we have no clue what the plan is going forward. Like when we'll see NBA games again. Obviously, it very much seems up to the players. Yep. 
uh, when when they feel comfortable playing again. Um, and you know, we'll we'll take it from there. But yeah, I mean, this is, you know, it's uh, it's a good thing. You know, like I mm-hmm. said, I think it's it's a good thing that the the players are are standing up for what they believe in, and that's that's ultimately positive. And it hopefully it leads to to a positive change overall, especially within Wisconsin, right where you you see these these things happening, and um, you know, and it's not just Wisconsin. I shouldn't I shouldn't say it's just there, but. You know, we, we have lots of high-profile issues happening there, and hopefully this is this is change that can happen there and, and across the country, but it's hard to say. And yet somehow Joshua Harris still has zero, zero clue about what's going yeah. on. Um, Sixers, though, since we last recorded, have been swept out of the playoffs. They are done, and Brett Brown has since been fired. Um you know, we've both agreed that it was more than likely coming to an end for Brett. And uh, I, I have nothing but respect for Brett Brown for what he kind of had to endure over the last seven years from coming in and being the guy that was going to be, you know, charging forth with this team as they went through one of the most historic rebuild processes, all pun intended, uh, in sports history. Like, he endured a ton of stuff that I don't think any other coach will ever endure again. Yeah, I think uh, Brett Brown, I've always said that he deserves a lot of credit for the simple fact that he was hired as a coach to see us through uh, just sort of a tumultuous period, right, of, of aggressive losing. It wasn't even just like this was a bad team and we're going through stuff. No, our goal was to lose, but ultimately as well, we knew that at the end it wasn't we're going to be losing in perpetuity. Perpetually, that this team is going to have to make a turn at some point and actually be good. And his biggest challenge was always to take, again, very young players, mold them into good NBA players as well as into good people, right? There's so many stories, especially, you know, early on in the process when there's a lot of young guys, a lot of guys just undrafted, even, you know, taking them and, and trying to mold them into players and mold them into to good human beings and, he would have them do lessons with each other and try and teach things to them and, and give them life skills. And I think it primarily worked. I think ultimately, and, and the proof is that the, the culture was able to shift from being a very negative team losing to in the next season being, you know, let's not forget, it feels like forever ago, but after they beat the Heat in that first round going into the Celtics, people were picking the Sixers to go to the finals that year. Now, obviously, we know how that Celtics series ends up, but you know, there, there was genuine hype and there was a genuine belief in this team. And even after they lost the Celtics, there was this idea that, you know, this team is here to stay. And a lot of that, I think, credit still goes to Brett Brown for that ability to turn around. You don't see coaches that were with teams for the, the dark periods usually also be there for when they're quote-unquote contenders, right? You know, David Blatt is one of my favorite examples of this where he was hired pre-LeBron coming back to Cleveland to essentially be kind of uh, what Brett Brown was doing, where he was going to be working with young guys, trying to develop a core and build for the future. And then a month later was all of a sudden got to coach a championship contender. I mean, that's just a hard switch philosophically to make. And I don't think a lot of coaches can do it. And it's unfair sometimes even ask them to do it. Um, But yeah, Brett, I think ultimately, you know, I think he took the blame uh, for a lot of the organization's misgivings. I think especially even when Colangelo got, uh, I guess, stepped down is the correct term. 
they made Brett the scape- scapegoat even for that by making him the decision maker, quote unquote, for free agency and for the draft. Um, and I always thought that was wildly unfair as well because you know he, this man was constantly asked to do new things. Let's not even talk about the fact that he had a new roster every six months to try and work out. And again, the stakes were always high. It was always this team has to be a contender. By the way, we just traded away two of your valuable young guys to get you Jimmy Butler, who's hard to work with and is an expiring contract this year. Mm-hmm. Okay, you have Landry that you just developed and started to hit a rhythm with. We're trading him and, by the way, all of our draft capital to get Tobias Harris, who's a really great fit of this team, but you have to figure out a way to make it work. Okay. Okay, well, Jimmy walked. <laughs> now we're sending <laughs> Al Horford. You know, and that's it's it's hard. I, I think it's a really it was a really difficult job for anyone to to do. And Brett, uh, you know, I'm not saying all this to say that Brett had no faults because he he did have holes. I think as a coach, but ultimately, I think it was really just an unwinnable task that he was given. And I largely, as you can tell from what I just talked, you know, everything I just said in the last three, four minutes, I have a very positive opinion of him still. Uh, yes, I think he has weaknesses as a coach, but ultimately, I think he's a good guy. And I think he, re- sounds cliche, I think he understood what Philly wanted. I think mm-hmm. he understood. I think he really, he gets people, and that's not surprising, you know, knowing that he comes from the Popovich tree. That's that's always been Pop's kind of greatest strength, right? And I think is really underrated when you talk about head coaches and managers, right? Is these guys have to be good at instilling confidence, instilling positivity. Like, just think of what you want in a boss. It's no different from head coaches. Yes, they have to obviously understand tactics and all that. But above all else, you have to be able to handle ego. You have to be able to get guys to get along even when they may not like each other. You have to be able to get people to buy into stuff. Those are hard skills to learn. And I don't think everyone it's, – it's not even something you can necessarily even learn. It's, it's, it's something some people are just born with. So – yeah, I have positive opinion on Brett. I, I sincerely wish him luck wherever he ends up. I don't know if he's necessarily head coach material, but I know whatever he does next, I think he'll do fantastic at it. He's still head coach of the Australian team. I'd yep. love to see him get a medal at the Olympics. Um, that'd be fantastic. But yeah, you know, good for Brett Brown wherever he goes next. We'll, we'll, we'll miss him, but it is time to move on, I should say. I think change was needed. I do think Brett was part of the change that needed to be uh, you know, moved on. Brett's still going to get Intel meeting up with Ben and Matisse in another year playing basketball with Australia. Yes. <laughs> um, and I mean, hey, if Brett Brown wants to come on the podcast, open invite always. Uh, I'll listen Brett to Brown. that. I'll listen to that accent anytime. Anytime. Um, now, they couldn't even give, you know, five minutes before – you know, potential replacement candidate leaks were being thrown left and right. Uh, and it seems like Tyron Liu is leading the way right now. Um, it would be complete full circle if Ty Liu is hired as the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, what are your thoughts on the, the list in general? Um, because it seemed like a lot of retreads, obviously, and then the, the pipe dream of Jay Wright. Um, but I wasn't like blown away. I'd say. I think Ty Lue is a really interesting character, and yes, it is hilarious because probably the most iconic image of the 76ers of the last 20 years is him <laughs> getting stepped over by Allen Iverson. Um, so I think it would be, I think it'd be really funny if he ended up being the head coach, and I would imagine people would show up 
you know, everyone has like shirts of that happening. Right. I remember even when, uh, I mean, this is, this is a black mark on Sixers history, but, uh, when we had the, the pick swap that we ultimately traded to, to get Markel Fultz, there was a, a redub of that called the swap over. Um, you know, so I think ultimately it'd be, it would be hilarious. I think Tyron Lou, I think he's a little underrated because everyone gives so much credit to, you know, oh, it's so easy to coach LeBron. Well, it isn't. Um, and also he had to go up against the Warriors, which, you know, just happened to be, besides LeBron's Heat, the best team that I've seen in my lifetime. I was a little young for, like, the Lakers when they, they beat the 76ers, like, to really say, like, I was watching the team when it was in all. No, I was seven. <laughs> I just loved Allen Iverson. Um, you know, in hindsight, those teams are great. I mean, the Golden State Warriors, I mean, they had the best record in basketball, right? You know, like, so I think Lou deserves a little more credit than he gets. And again, I think those are very hard series. There's a talent mismatch. Yes, you have LeBron, but you look at that Cavs roster in general and what he was able to do with, let's be honest, spare parts for, for yeah. a lot of, of those runs. I think is impressive. Uh, he built a very good offense on that team, by the way. And it isn't, no one really has the spacing issues that we have necessarily, but I think if Tyron Luke could figure out a way, way to make that offense work, he, he can figure out this offense. Right. And I think that's the biggest question mark going forward is how, how do you make <laughs> this happen? Um, they obviously, I think had, you know, better pieces to, to, to work with that, that, mold necessarily you know when you have someone like Kyrie right and Kevin Love is I think a better shooter than say Al Horford right but ultimately and you know when you have the benefit of having LeBron James that certainly helps but yeah I think Tyrone Lou gets a little little underrated by people I think people are too quick to give credit to LeBron James um for quote-unquote coaching during that run I don't necessarily see it that way um, but it's hard to get a read on it because ultimately he didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't in that job very long. Right. And that was really his only experience in the NBA. So it's hard to say, you know, definitively that's he's good. He's great. He's bad. He's all you know, awful. You know, I, I think it's very still, in my opinion, out on Tyron Lou. I think of the, the names that have been floated, he's the one I'd be most positive on Jay Wright. I'm always wary of coaches making the leap from college, to the NBA, I feel like only one out of 10 usually is, is a success. Um, I feel like it just very frequently does not go very well. Um, and I'm not, I, I think Jay Wright, certainly a very talented coach, but for him as well, I'm not sure that it makes a ton of sense. I think he's a legend at Villanova. He's going to continue to be awesome there. I know that the college sports kind of future is a little murky, but ultimately I think it's sort of like Nick Saban, right? You know, not that he's necessarily the Nick Saban in college basketball, but when you're a legend like that and you haven't made and you have a great job, you seem settled there. Why risk that? Why risk that move? Unless he really has the ambition. I don't know. Um, it would obviously make a ton of sense because he's within the city. People know him already. Dang, boom. Uh, Dave Yeager, no thanks. <laughs> no. Um, no thanks on American Psycho. Um, he's an interesting guy, Dave Yeager. I think he gets... Again, I think he gets a little too much flag. I think he he did a pretty good job with the Kings, and I think was probably a little unjustly fired from that position. And I don't think he's done terribly with the Grizzlies, but I'm not sure that he's the the guy uh, for for the Sixers right now. But yeah, I, I mean, I had said that if it was someone that I hadn't heard of, I'd almost celebrate that. Um, but yeah, if it's Tyloo, I don't I don't think that's the worst situation for the Sixers to be in. Um, I certainly don't want it to be a promotion within 
I, I, I don't want any more of that within this organization. I'm a little sick of, of just people getting promoted. Uh, good for them, right? You work your way at the ladder, but you know, let's not carve any more rotten wood out of this organization. So you would want Edoka gone? I wouldn't want him gone, but I don't. I can't say that I'd be like enthused about him being the head coach, right? Okay. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know that that's for me. I would not be wild. It's and it's hard to say what you know his skills would really be, and that's always the difficulty when you're getting someone who, who obviously is a little more unheard of, right? And especially assistant coaches, it's always hard for us fans to really see like the ins and outs of what their actual responsibilities are. But for me. I just, on a very personal level, am just absolutely worn out of Sixers promoting from yep. within. I'm just, you know, I'm just, and it's it's nothing about him personally, right. something about his capabilities. It's just, for me, that would be, a, it should be very uninspiring, right? It'd be like if the Flyers, instead of hiring AV, like, promoted someone like an assistant coach there. Like, it'd be like, well, that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't feel like change, right? That just feels like, well, what's different you know it's right. just the the tree that you want removed from your yard just sprouted a new branch now like i it's just you know that's that's just my take on it um i i think tyloo and Udoka are like the front runners because i i don't see jay wright leaving his crystal palace of villanova although if there was a year for him to leave uh i was talking to or i tweeted it at addison hunsiger um and said that if there was a year for jay wright to leave it would be this year because you know, I think the NBA has an obvious better shot at playing next season than college basketball does. Um, you know, it's a hop, skip, and a jump down the road. Um, but I think the the guarantee that they'd actually play is something that should be factored in to when people are talking about Jay Wright, but I still don't think it happens. Um, and then I was listening to the Ricky, and I forget who brought it up, but... Uh, it is interesting that Ty Lue has the same agent representation as Ben Simmons. Yes. Yeah, and I, I think, again, if knowing how the Sixers operate, that would be a good branch to jump off, right? <laughs> you know, they, <laughs> they seem to be very focused on these intertwined relationships than necessarily always going off maybe what's best. Um, but again, out of, the, out of the people named, I think the most... Uh, comfortable I would be with with this Tyloo. Again, I'm, you know, it's not necessarily the profile that I'd, I'd necessarily want, but I'd, I don't think he's, I think people, again, have just been, are really sour on him for no particular reason. I think if you ask people why they don't like Tyloo, they'll just throw out the people. He, when you coach LeBron, it's easy. Well, like, it's not, though. <laughs> you know, like it's, I can't stress this enough. It's not. <laughs> like, what, look at Mark Jackson with the Warriors, right? He was terrible. He couldn't get them out of the first round. The next year, their championship team yep. under Steve Kerr. Like, all you needed was a new voice. And we're seeing with the Flyers. Like, you don't even have to look that far. Look at the ten- the other tenets of the Wells Fargo Center. There was a team with some potential, some 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 something real tangible there. And what it took was a new voice. And that's that's sometimes what you need, right? So, yeah, I, I think if it is Ty Lue, cool, I'll move on. Any of the other names, I would be... A little disappointed. If it's someone I've never heard of, you know, then it's time to really dig and, and see what, what kind of mistake we might have made or what kind of genius hire we might have made. Who knows? But yeah, I, I think you could do worse. You know? Yeah, he's won a ring. I mean that's, that's you true. Know, <laughs> I, not many coaches can say that. I, you <laughs> know, that's it's not 
it's not it's not easy to win an NBA championship as we are very sure of now as Sixers fans. It, it doesn't just happen. Uh, what did you make of Elton Brand's comments during his press conference? And I also thought it was very on brand that Joshua Harris did not make himself available to the media. It's all. Ellen Brain has, the, and one of the reasons I think this ownership group likes him so much is because he's, you know, again, he's been in front of the media for his, what, 20 year career. Yep. He's a very charismatic guy. He's got a nice voice. Right? Like, he's he's a great orator. No no doubt about it. This guy can absolutely talk in front of people. He's, he's always calm, always in control. I think he always chooses his words carefully. I think that's why they like him so much because he's just kind of a safe guy. He never says anything really far out there. It's always really measured opinions, and again, that's that's good for him. I think he has a future in management, right, with that kind of attitude, with that kind of uh, – and I don't mean that as any disrespect to him. I mean that truly. But there's nothing to glean from that. It's it's all very vague. It's all very nebulous stuff. Well, there's going to be change. Okay, well, what kind of change? He did allude to the fact that he's going to be more of the decision maker. We'll see. I mean, right. I, it, it's – alarming to me that our gm has to say that in the first place that there's our that there's a committee that he has to fight with um and that's something that we've suspected for a very long time now that this has been the sort of um you know i, I don't like in fantasy football when i have a running back by committee <laughs> I especially don't like my front office of my my budding nba team with stars on it to have a you know a front office by committee and no one no one taking responsibility for uh, any of those decisions and you know, I think you need one clear voice, and if Elton's going to be that guy going forward, if it is, it's going to be on him. And cool, but that also means that you know, if things don't go well next year, he'd very well be out the door now. Um, personally, I'd like wholesale change. Mm-hmm. I would like uh, a whole purge of the front office. Not going to happen. As, as seems very clear. Um, you know, I shouldn't speak too soon. Who knows? But Elton definitely seems like he's not losing his job. Yeah. Um, which I don't agree with, but whatever. We'll, we'll move forward. We have no choice but to. Um, and I, again, I think his his interviews are always so safe. Yep. I think the only time I've ever seen him really put out any kind of heater of a quote was during the Markel Fultz saga, uh, where Fultz had like his lawyer uh, like in touch with the Sixers about his playtime and stuff, all that mess. That was the only time I think I've ever seen him kind of step out of that realm and sort of punch back a little bit in the press. But um Ultimately, I think there's there's not much to take away. It's all just very. I'm just gonna say what you guys want to hear, but we'll you know you're gonna have to wait and see what we actually do. Do you think he kind of told on himself a bit when he said that he almost didn't really know what he was doing? I think that's just his his like way of uh, trying to endear himself, right? And and I think just trying to get people to buy into him still, which. Yeah, it doesn't really work. Again, like you are taking over at a very sensitive time for this team. Um, that's not something I want to hear. No. If this was 2013, I'd be like, we'd laugh and be like, all right, you know, he's learning with us. This is all. This is the process here. We'll we'll get through it. Um, when this team just got swept by a divisional rival, um, and as the second highest cap hit going into the next <laughs> next year, and we're in a lot of trouble. And it's not looking too great. I'm not sure that that really inspires any kind of confidence and doesn't really like alleviate it. Like, oh, he's just a normal guy. It's like, well, no, I actually believe that you don't know what you're doing. So I'm a little (laughs) worried about that. Yeah. And I mean, like, it kind of shows, especially with, uh, 
you know, the two big profile trades that he made where, you know, he trades two controllable contracts away for Jimmy Butler without having, you know, 110% guarantee that Jimmy was going to re-sign, but still did it anyway, and then giving up literally everything in the safe for Tobias Harris and leaving us with absolutely nothing. Plus, that doesn't even count, you know, that he blueprinted that we want him at Tease Thibault. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the worst-kept secrets in the NBA, right, was that Batista was coming here, especially in the week leading up to the draft, which is why we had to spend even more capital to get him, you know? And, again, you know, I don't know how much of the selling off the second-round picks is Elton Brand's choice, especially when we know that this is very much a front office by committee. Um, You know, they've, I think, just shoving their thumb at, at the idea of even taking one flyer on someone besides like Shayok in, in the second round is just sucks. I hate it. Um, we'll see what happens this year. Cause they also have, uh, uh, I think four or five second round picks this year. I haven't looked at really a draft all that much yet, but got to sell those yeah. off for the stadium, man. Well, we'll see if they even sell the first round pick. Cause that's, that's going to be potentially in play this year. Uh, selling first round picks. I wouldn't be surprised if, if we're dumb enough to do that, but you know, we, I mean, it sucks, but we, we honestly have no choice but to push through with what we have because there's not a whole lot we can really do to, to make change happen. Um, we just have to hope that they get things right. But, I mean, you're, you're pretty much locked into what you are now. It's going to be very hard to to make any kind of lateral movements here. I think it's pretty obvious that one of Horford and Tobias needs to go. I don't even know which contract is worse at this point. <laughs> Tobias was absolutely terrible in the playoffs, but I think it's... It's hard to, to really evaluate him because there's no Simmons on the floor. I think it's you know it's futile to say this, but it's obviously a different series if Ben's out there. Yeah. Um, Horford, though, in my mind, is just such a wash. A and he's waste. such a bad fit. Tobias, I can be at least convinced there's something there. I, I don't know what we're doing with Horford. And if I have to see his sister tweet one oh more time, God. I'm going to delete Twitter. That in and of itself be the worst is reason part. to get rid of Al Horford. Like, yeah. At least just, Tobias, like I can like picture him fitting in with this team if there is change made and Horford's out of here and you get an actual guy who can shoot, you put shooters around Ben and Joel, I can picture Tobias Harris being part of this team in some capacity. With Horford, you know, it's just like it's so clunky and bad and he is just not good with this team. I don't know if he's good in general. I mean, I hope the Sacramento Kings do or whatever team we sell him off to with the OKC pick, but Horford just has no spot on this roster for him to succeed, for this team to succeed. And like you said, the the faster we can get Anna Horford off of our Twitter timelines, the better. I don't even know if the, the first-round pick gets you there. Uh, that's been like the going rate for bad contracts in the league mm-hmm. for the past few years is like a first-round pick. Under these circumstances right now, though, I, I think you might even need more. Like you, know, people have obviously thrown out a lot of uh, takes about including Matisse on any trade with Tobias or Horford to get them off the books and willing to make that cut. Um, I think ultimately that is worth it in the long term. But I, I already spoke my mind on this. I would hate to see us just move away another guy that. And again, I, Matisse has gotten so much hate, and I think it's I absolutely ridiculous. The guy's twenty three. Like Jesus Christ, what are we doing? You know, like we complain so much about the. Like a, the 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 broad national opinion of Philly fans, and that we're reactionary, and we, you know, we, it sucks to play for us, and we're very hateful. And Matisse is like, 
you know, obviously offensively he's not great, but he's not even he's not even the worst offensive player on this team. No. So I don't know what we're really upset about. He's on a rookie deal. Defensively, he's fantastic. I think he's he's already like almost an elite level defender in the NBA. He's very disruptive, and he's a rookie. And this has been the most obscene, crazy rookie season you can imagine. This is a team that's struggling for chemistry and confidence, yet he seems to constantly be a bright spot of positivity. I don't know why people are so in on getting rid of him. I get that you could swallow that pill, and I, and I could as well if it's getting rid of the bad contract that we have. But I, I don't know what I don't know what upset everyone <laughs> within his vlogs that they're just constantly tanking on him. But I think I would certainly not like to see the backside of Matisse Seibel. I would like him to stay a sixer, but if that also means that him leaving means no more Horford, or no more Tobias, or <laughs> crazy enough if it's neither <laughs> of them, um, then, you know, make our peace with that. But I, I wish people would cool off on the Matisse hate, because I, I don't know what he's really done to deserve that. I think there are much more senior players that deserve much more criticism um, than Matisse. Yeah, and I my mean, personal opinion. like you said, like this team is clamoring and just begging for team chemistry and it seems like Matisse gets along with every single human in that locker room yeah I and you know again he's he's a rookie scale contract that's he's a he's a cheap option for a team that's going to be in cap hell I feel like we've I feel like that hasn't been talked about enough that this team is going to be in that's just like it's going to be a little tough no like this team is going to be paying almost historic amounts of money like the Warriors were not even going to be paying this kind of money. They backed off. <laughs> they let Durant go because they didn't want to pay the money that we're about to be paying for a team that's getting busted in the first round. Like, so let's let's maybe not any chance we get with someone who's showing promise on a on a young uh, on a good contract on a ro- rookie contract. Let's not just cash them off, especially just... when all the good contracts we had are performing well in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Trey Burke looks great. Dude, he looks sensational. Why. Boban, playable backup center. Don't know why. Don't know why Brett could never figure that one out. <laughs> Landry, man. Landry dunking over Kawhi Leonard. What are you gonna do? Uh, we'll dive in more with the Sixers as the weeks go by because it is the off season, and we'll get into a bunch of stuff. Uh, but the one team that's in the playoffs, they tied things up this afternoon. Matt, the Flyers win in overtime and give us all blistering conniptions uh, after they go up 3-0 in the first period and then just cruise to victory. Uh, I was brutally criticized for a a take on the show that me and Mikey recorded on Monday night after game one. You know, I'm, I'm genuinely concerned, you know, today he was, he was better in some facets, but like, I don't know about you. Claude Giroux has been almost a non-factor the entire playoffs. Yeah, and, and, you know, him being the captain, I think he's always going to get a little more of the blame. Um, I think largely speaking, though, a lot of this team hasn't showed up today. Today was honestly the the first, really that first period, we should say. One of the few times that this team has felt since the round-robin games, Mm -hmm. like, oh, we're clicking, feeling good. Like, this could be, like, where momentum shifts. Um but I mean, even even Konechny, right? You know, hasn't hasn't scored yet. Uh, Borchek has been relatively quiet. Like Coots gets one today. Like he's been Finally. on a, on a drier spell, right? So like, I think it's been a lot of guys. But Giroux, I think, always going to take the flack as you know your highest profile guy, your your captain. He's always going to get a little more criticism. Um, 
you know, that being said, he hasn't looked great. I, you know, I, I don't think just because he constantly gets the criticism doesn't necessarily, mean it can't be true all the time right. either, you know? Um, but I think it's, it's also unfair to say that this, any of this is necessarily lying at his feet, oh, right. which I also don't think people are saying either. I mm-hmm. just think he's kind of the natural person to point to, to criticize. But yeah, I think lots of things haven't really clicked for the flyers um, so far. These, these playoffs necessarily, but I mean, even saying that they're at one and one with uh, you know, one of the more difficult matchups for them uh, in these, in these playoffs. Right. But yeah, I mean, that first period was fantastic and it, it, you're really hoping that it was just going to carry some momentum and we could kind of slap them right back with a, a five or six, no win. But um, there was definitely uh, some hearts and throats at the end of that third period. It really, it, it did really feel like we were going to find a way to lose. And I think that would have been a true backbreaker, but yeah, the team found a way in, in the end. And I think that's, that's a real positive takeaway for me is, you know, Mentally, I don't know necessarily how you come back from blowing a, a 3-0 lead um, and, and going down 2 nothing in the series. Like that's especially after getting shut out the game before. Yes, you know, and, and especially the way you started the game. I think just that's from a confidence angle. I think that's a really, really difficult thing to come back from. But now, season uh, the series is tied, which is which is obviously fantastic. Um, and I think this is this is a good launching point for the Flyers right now. And yeah, you you hope guys like Giroux, Konechny, right, can start refining their rhythm. I think it's going to happen at some point. You know, like just the law of large numbers, right? You get enough people in the door, they're going to start they're going to start finding their way. And um, you know, I think at some point they they will get more involved. I think TK had some some better involvement today overall, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I think at, at some point these guys are going to start finding the back of the net. And what I mean, I think it's impressive that we've gotten to this point and. We really haven't had the, you know, great goal scoring or even a lot of goal involvements from you know our quote unquote usual suspects, mm-hmm. right? You know, like it, it, even Kevin Hayes today, right, was sort of like he's he's had a, a pretty awkward playoff so far. Like he's been pretty hit or miss. Um, yeah, we we haven't had the consistency from really kind of any of our top line guys. Yeah, I mean, we were saying just that it's been a lot of the you know for the round robin games, especially there's a lot of depth guys scoring. I mean. Phil Meyer scores the winner today. That's not really someone you necessarily expect. Um, but, you know, again, if, if everyone else can start finding their form, I think that's where this team could get scary. Yeah, and I mean, you look at just today, like it took overtime for this team to finally score the most goals that they have in a playoff game. Like coming into this game, the most goals they've scored either in a win or a loss has been three. And I was like, all right, we got three in the first period. Like, we could finally break that streak. And it took overtime to do that. Like, consistently, they just need that production from the top guys. You know, Couturier finally, you know, showing his face today was nice. Kevin Hayes kind of blistering a bit, uh, you know, was sensational. I think he's been, he was the spark plug today. You know, just the way that he played, the way that he was moving around. I think he got the guys going. And we've been saying that all year about Kevin Hayes. He's been kind of the catalyst for, you know, igniting this team and, and getting some energy going through their veins. Yeah, and I think just speaking more to the production angle, you know, if you look at the the stats as well for the playoffs so far, it's alarming how many players are ahead of the Flyers that have already even been eliminated. Yeah. Um, you know, and that's... That's the big thing. I mean, you're talking in the top 20, 25, 30 category here of not showing up very much. Um, but again, you know, you can take that one of two ways that they've struggled so far or that 
when these guys, and I think it is inevitable that they will kind of break out of this funk, this team could be really, really scary, right? Like that, that's, that's where things get messy for, for the opposition. But I mean, it was a close one today. I think, I think everyone <laughs> really needed the win. I think uh, mentally, everyone really uh, needed that. I think especially in game one, everyone needed the Flyers to win that one. That was, I won't lie, very tough L to take, but you know, this is, uh, it's still very exciting watching our Flyers. And it's a quick turnaround. Game three is, you know, Thursday night at seven o'clock. So a little over 24 hours later, uh, they've got to, you know, kind of look at this one, figure out what went wrong down the stretch and move on and get ready for a game three to hopefully go up two one. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you might even have an have sh- you know, shaken the confidence a little bit of, of Arlemov today, right? I mean, he's had yeah. a really strong playoffs so far, kind of similar to Carter Hart in a way, you know, in that um, he's, he's been a strong performer. You go out and shell him in the first period. Maybe that shakes him a little bit. He gets pulled and you're right back tomorrow. You know, it could go either way, right? You know, and, and we've seen the same with Hart. He got shelled two straight shutouts. You know, so hopefully that's not the way it goes. But yeah, you know, this is, that could be a, a, a good situation if the Flyers find themselves in is that there is a quick turnaround. This guy doesn't have much time necessarily to, to refocus and recollect, go out and might even have some of those nerves again. And that could be a, a real bonus. But clearly the, the, the big thing for the Flyers is, uh, is, is starting early. We've seen just too much, I think, of this sputtering in, in the first period, especially in game one. I mean, that was... That was a brutal, brutal first period to, to watch. I mean, they, they rarely got out of their zone. Shots they were having were largely ineffective. Um, so, yeah, much, much better uh, you know, creation today, and I think that's that's more what we need of. Yeah, and uh, I was fully prepared to come into this show tonight ready to scream, yell, be done with the baseball team in this city, but... We all know that somehow, some way, they listen to the podcast um, because everything we talk about a couple days later, boom, it's done. Uh, they've won two straight now. They're playing the uh, the worst team in baseball, the Washington Nationals. Uh, absolutely loser franchise. Um, Stolen franchise too. Let's not let's not forget. forget that. Shout out to Montreal. Um, but I mean. We, I don't even think we've gotten to discuss the trades yet and how pitiful they were. Um, you know, in a nutshell, no more Austin Davis, Austin Davis gone. Th- th- that that might be the best <laughs> player to be named later. Cash considerations traded. Like let's let's put a jersey on that ca- bag of cash and call it a day. Um, but the the gross part about the Pavetta trade. And everybody was celebrating, oh, Nick Pavetta's gone, great trade, great trade. No, like, you traded Nick Pavetta, sure, great. Like, obviously, me personally, I think, and a lot of people I've talked to, uh, whether it's, you know, Jack Fritz, who was the biggest Nick Pavetta truther, and a whole bunch of other Phillies. Like, the Phillies failed Nick Pavetta more than Nick Pavetta failed the Phillies. You know, they didn't do enough to to boost his confidence. I don't think they ever, uh, you know, used him properly. And now they're they're clear of him. He's in Boston. But the fact that you had to give up Connor Seabold, who I viewed as a, a pretty quality prospect and a chance to be a number four, number five starter on this team at some point, just so that you could get back money for the contracts of the two relievers, who one of them is a free agent after this season, so you don't go over the luxury tax. Like, 
I should have expected it, but my goodness, Matt Klintak and John Middleton are beyond the definition of a wet napkin. Yeah, this is, um, talk about uninspiring moves from the Sixers. This is, I mean, geez, this is, this is lock yourself in your bedroom and just go to sleep type of stuff here. This is, it's so the, bad. the thing with Pavetta as well is, you know, this team is, is poured quite a bit of time into him. Yes. And I think it wasn't always necessarily the best resources we gave him, especially, you know, under Clintech. I think a lot of people were vocal about how his constant switching from bullpen to starter and back and forth messed with kind of their rhythm. And I think Pavetta was uh, sort of a victim of that. You poured all this time into him and you decide it's time to give up. That's fine. But he wasn't in my mind. He was not a player that necessarily like you need to like package someone with right. to get rid of. You know, like he's not. I, I didn't think he was that bad. I think he's just someone that needs to go to a place where I think a fresh start will do him very well. I think a place like Boston, he could definitely succeed in. Especially looking just new at scenery. GM is. Yeah, new scenery. I think you know, so maybe a new voice, and I think just a, a fresh start for him is probably what Nick Pavetta yeah. needs, and. I, I don't know that it was ever going to work here, so whatever. Um, and he was a very confusing guy, right? You know, he, he looked great some nights. He looked terrible the other. And I think it was, it was a lot of just mental and confidence issue with him. Um, so we'll see if that works out for him. I wouldn't be surprised if it does because that's just what the Phillies do, right? We love we love just sailing away. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously upset as well with uh, getting cash back for these. Like, what <laughs> You know, you don't get to say, oh, you know, I, I'll spend stupid money and also pull deals like this, right? And we know that John Middleton has to say these things. Like, I refuse to believe that this man has has no clue, that he's just not he's not clued into this at all. Like, I I, I hate the, the false ideology there. If I'm willing to spend stupid money, but I'm also willing to take on, you know, contracts like this. I'm also willing to work into contracts before the season starts that we can terminate guys and not pay them their full amount. And that's why we lose, you know, a, another like third of our relievers, <laughs> you know, because we want to, we want to skimp on some money, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it's just, it's disappointing, really, really disappointing. It's gross incompetence. And this doesn't even bring up the, the trade with the Yankees that, you know, you trade Addison Russ, who I thought was a, a, likely option to be a bullpen arm for a guy who got DFA'd like that is that is a trade where you give up cash considerations or a player to be named later you don't give up a guy who is you know a borderline prospect who could come up and just be in your bullpen right now why are you trading away a guy who has all the skill sets in the world to come and be in this bullpen and be better than a bunch of guys who were in this bullpen at the time like the fact that it took this long for guys like Austin Davis and Diolis Garrett, and this is nothing against them as people. We always preface that with all of this. They are not Major League Baseball players. I'm sorry. The fact that we had to endure Diolis Garrett for as long as we did was disgusting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's negligence. It's what it is going into the season with, with these guys. And, um, I, you know, they're not really even getting a fair shot at it either. Because right. this is this is such a, a difficult situation to put them under, and you know, one thing I don't like about a lot of this is like a, a lot of uh, well, in all the Phillies' losses, they've been leading by two, leading by one. Like, yeah, you know, if 
every time you were up, you won, you'd win 130 games a season, right? You know, like it's obviously, right? If you didn't lose the game, if we won every game that we lost, we'd be this. Like, yeah, duh. You know, like you're going to blow leads. I just think it's been, it's such a problem, right? So we know that the bullpen is ineffective. I think that's what makes this most frustrating, though, is is looking at those those stats, right, about how many times we've blown leads and knowing that even with an average bullpen, what do you say, like half those losses change? Let's even just say a quarter. This team's all of a sudden at the top of the yep. division. And it was the same thing last year. And that's that's what's frustrating is it feels like, you know, you're just kind of beating your head against the wall here and you're waiting on change and it's it's not really happening in the way you want it to. Yeah. And and contact deserves tons and tons and tons of blame for, for the situation that the Phillies are in because this listen, this is not news. This is this isn't a new talking point that the bullpen isn't very good. This has been an issue. Um some of that's been out of his control. I'll give him that. We've had lots of injuries over the years. But you had an off season to prep for this, and we didn't spend very much this off season. And it was pre-COVID, so you can't even say you're tightening up finances. Yep. Like this is this this is inexcusable to save the bullpen. Do you want to uh, be even more disgusted with Matt Klintek? Um Because I can't get any lower. So our our pal Jack Fritz on the High Hopes podcast said that essentially the way that. You know, this team is constructed and the moves Matt Klintak has made and the way it's, you know, structured. He's building Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim East. Well, we don't even have a mic drop. <laughs> we don't even get that. We have Bryce Harper, which is great, but yeah, I, th- I think I think John Milton is really serious about wanting this team to be good again and willing to spend money. He, he has to see that Clintag is not working, mm-hmm. you know, and he's pulled the plug on guys before too, by the way, it's not like, you know, this is, this never happened, you know, but I just, um, I, I don't know how he survives this off season, especially just with the, the way this team is looking. It's not going to end up in playoffs again. Um, I just, I, I, he, I don't know how we've gotten to this point with this team because it's so strange in that, you know, they they went after Bryce, right? Pay him all this money. They they go after Zach Wheeler, right? They trade for JT. They signed McCutcheon. They signed DD, right? Like they they have trade for goals. Jay Bruce. They trade for Jay Bruce. They trade for Gene Zagert. Like they have these goals, right? They make these big splashes, clearly ambitious, clearly wanting to win. And try to build a, a good core and something you can work with. But yet, like completely ignoring just the other aspect of the game, right, in terms of relief pitching and bullpen, and completely ignoring that there's a guy making that decision. You know, like, I, I don't I don't know where where that goes. You know, like, how, where, where does the buck stop here? At some point, John Milton has to realize that Matt Klintag is not doing a very good job, and that if he, if he truly cares, if he's really sincere, I don't care if you fan of the team or whatever if you just want more money i mean if that's if that's what this is about you know how you get asses and seats by having a great team yep and this team is great sold out like seven years straight home games like that's what you get you you get that if, if you build and guess what bryce harper's a bigger star than any of those players on those teams were we loved bryce we loved ryan howard they were not national stars like bryce harper is they weren't on on sports illustrated at 16 like bryce harper was <laughs> Like that, and that's just the facts. Like he's, you ha- you have a marketable guy, you have a great guy that again has has national attention and is playing out of his mind and is looking like he can do that for what the next seven years at the very minimum. 
and you why why are you sitting on your hands waiting to do something about it i i just don't get it i don't know where the ambition is here because it's it's in the wrong places at times or i, I don't know but hey let's smile because our boy alec bohm hit his first career major league home run he and you know what he's looked great and and i think even some of the performers that we were looking at have <coughs> sorry have actually turned it around. Reese's looked a little better, right? He's he's been uh, definitely improving as the season's gone on. JT has started really mashing it, um, but yeah, the bums look great. I, I I I'm in love. I'm in love with Alec Bum. He's the best. Um, hopefully, this team you know goes on a run because they need to if they want their season to uh, survive the the pitifulness that it has been. Um, any final thoughts, Matt? <clears throat> nope <laughs> I have I have something in my throat that's my final thought uh, mine is keep wearing your mask wash your hands be just be good people um, and let's keep on keeping on as always make sure you guys are following us on social media at underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram make sure you guys are following our fantasy football Twitter account at fourth and goal USP fourth is the number four TH uh, we are giving away a autographed, authenticated Cortland Sutton Broncos mini helmet right now. Very simple entry. It is the pin tweet over there at Fourth and Goal USP. And uh, make sure you guys are following me on Twitter for all the Phillies yelling, Flyers, Sixers, all that good stuff. At uh, KBIZZL311. And if you want incredible Flyers game memes. Sixers yelling and all that other good soccer talk in between at Matt Castarina is the follow for you. And then of course, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple podcasts, leave those five star ratings and reviews. Who do you want to see as the next head coach of the Sixers? Your thoughts on the flyers, this unbelievable Phillies team in the worst way possible of using the word unbelievable uh, and anything else in between five stars only because we have standards and we know you do too. You can also check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And, of course, make sure you check out the website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com. Matt just put out an article the other day about the Sixers and, you know, what's next. Uh, we got uh, Flyers, you know, you need more than Carter Hart to win this series, and that's kind of shown itself a bit uh, from our boy Dylan Mazzola and a whole bunch of other stuff in between UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com is the website link and we'll be back later this week just talking about whatever else comes up in the sports world uh in philadelphia you guys are the best listeners on the planet and uh the show wouldn't be possible without our awesome local sponsors main auto llc Ducharms pro foot security 21 paul j gillespie incorporated bob novick automall mark ronchetti cpa llc and the dental wellness center of vineland and of course our kick-ass merch provider, Design Tree, DSGNTree.com. Search Underground Sports Philadelphia and use the promo code DSGN5. Save yourself $5 off at checkout. And then our homies over at Tomahawk Shades, TomahawkShades.com. At checkout, use the promo code USP. Saves you 25% off your entire order. And all orders over $75 qualify for free shipping. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 260. For Matt, I'm KB. We are signing off. Peace.